My name is Miguel, for the people that don't know me. And uh, our scripture for today, it's, uh, it says on Luke 5, 1 through 11. And it says, One day Jesus was standing beside the lake, Gisaret, when the crowd pressed pressed him around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belongs to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowd, he said to Simon, row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replies, Master, we'll work hard all night and cut anything. But Jesus say, say so. Because you say so, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for the partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter said the sad catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Lead me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those with the, him were overcome with amaze because of the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now on you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray uh, for the scripture for today. Thank you, Lord, for for your blessings. And we always see uh, that you provide with everything that we need, Lord. Even though when we uh, think there is nothing that we work so hard and then there's nothing left for us, then you show us your mercy and then you give us your grace and you bless us. Thank you, Lord, for being uh, with us all the time and open our hearts and our lives to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Renew. Uh, I'm excited to get to share with you this morning. Uh, here we've been doing a series over the past little while that Pastor Dave has been uh, leading us in, looking at our mission, vision, values here at Renew. Uh, and kind of the subsection of this overall series, we've been um, looking at um, <clears throat> kind of a, this book called uh, Tangible Kingdom by a guy named Hugh Halter. Um, and what does it look like for us to be living our lives in a way in which the kingdom is experienced in tangible ways? Uh, and so the messages that we've had so far uh, have been on being sent, that we are to be incarnational people, uh, about the good news that is the gospel, uh, living it out in community, or being in community, living out and inviting in, was last week with Pastor Dave. And then this week we're taking a look at apprenticeship. Uh, which kind of is another way that we can be thinking about uh, the term discipleship. Um, and so as we look into uh, Hugh Halter's book, Tangible Kingdom, he identifies uh, discipleship as this. Go ahead and hit the next one. Uh, discipleship is the holistic care of a smaller group of people who are consistently experiencing Jesus' life and teaching together in a healthy environment where they are learning to submit every area of life to the Lordship of Jesus. So as I've been kind of thinking about that definition of what discipleship is, 
uh, it brings me back to an experience that I had while I was in college. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, experience the dream of nearly every college student and senior citizen in America. I went to a taping of The Price is Right. Uh, my friends and I had planned a trip to Southern California, a road trip. We were going to college in Southern Idaho. We were going to road trip again to Southern, uh, Southern Idaho. We were going to road trip to Southern California and thought one of the coolest things that we could do was to get tickets to The Price is Right. And so we sent away, we got lucky enough, we got tickets, but on the tickets themselves, it says, this is not a guaranteed seat in the studio. So we're like, well, then we're gonna sleep on the streets of Hollywood to make sure that we are one of the first ones in. So uh, we park uh, on the streets and then we just unload at like one o'clock in the morning and there was two other people in front of us. So my group of, I think there were six of us, we were like second through, or third through eighth uh, in line. And so uh, that morning you had to wait here and then you wait over here and finally, eventually, way late in the morning, uh, they finally let us into the studio. And so we beelined straight to the front row, right behind contestants row, because we wanted to make sure that we would be on TV even if none of us got called up to play. And so uh, we're sitting there, everybody's excited. Rod Roddy, the longtime host, of the, or the longtime announcer for Price is Right, uh, starts telling everybody how this is going to work and gets everybody all sorts of excited. And then all of a sudden, Bob Barker steps out on stage and everybody goes even more nuts. And then the very first name that gets called on the Price is Right, Nathan Handel, come on down. And Nathan Handel just happened to be my roommate. And so he got to come on down to the contestants row to participate uh, in The Price is Right. And so he got up and he got to be uh, bidding on a brass bed. He was the closest without going over. And so he got the brass bed and the opportunity to go up and play another game with Bob Barker. He ended up uh, winning in that one as well. He won a few trips. Uh, and then he got to go up and spin the big old wheel and unfortunately, he did not uh, get to be the closest to a dollar without going over, moving him on to the, um, the showcase showdown. Uh, but it was this incredible experience of uh, my friend Nathan getting to go and play Price is Right games with Bob Barker. And that was really cool in itself. But then a month later, when the show was on TV, uh, we had like celebrities on our small college campus. And so everybody kind of skipped class that morning and gathered in the student union building to get to watch Nathan do his thing on The Price is Right. And it was just this incredible experience. But it's this great show because it's really normal people being called into something really big. And there's a lot of excitement about being called into something big. It's just these ordinary people that get called to play these cool games. And so this is something that uh, we also see in the Bible as Jesus is calling his first disciples. Uh, in our scripture passage today that Magdiel read, um, there in Luke, uh, Jesus is calling his first disciples uh, into something big. And so as we kind of put that passage into context, uh, in the book of Luke, uh, Luke is given the uh, birth narrative of Jesus, and then he talks about Jesus' baptism and his temptation, and then he starts describing the beginnings of Jesus' Galilean ministry. Uh, he's gaining the attention of all these crowds uh, through his teachings, through his healings, through his uh, casting out of demons, 
Um, then at the very end of chapter 4, right before our uh, section for today, Jesus is saying that, hey, I've got to go from town to town to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God because that was why he was sent. He has this big message about the proclaiming of the good news of the kingdom of God, and that's why he's come. So as we look at today's passage, uh, Jesus was uh, doing some teaching, and there were some massive amount of crowds that are starting to notice what Jesus is doing and wanting to be near that. Uh, So there's so many people, Jesus has to hop into a boat and step out a little bit further to make sure that he could see and teach to everybody. Uh, So as he finishes up teaching, uh, he was in the boat of Simon Peter, and he says to Simon, hey, uh, why don't you put your nets out over there? I think that Simon was probably a little bit, "Eh, I don't know about that, um, because one, they'd been out all night already fishing, and they didn't really catch anything. And two, Jesus isn't even a fisherman, but Simon Peter has already seen what Jesus can do, and so he decides to take Jesus at his word and go back out and cast his nets. And so as he does, all of a sudden, wow, this tremendous amount of fish, there was so much that he and his brother on their boat couldn't handle it. Also, they had to call out their friends, James and John, to come over with their nets to help get all these fish. And even then, it's still ripping their nets. And so I can hardly even imagine this amount of fish, um, let alone these fishermen who do this all the time, uh, had to have been quite amazed. And so Simon Peter's response to this miracle is absolute humility. Uh, He tells Jesus that he's sinful and that Jesus should immediately get away from him. He didn't know what was going on, but in his mind, he knew that he was not worthy to be a part of whatever it is that Jesus is up to. But Jesus responds by telling Simon Peter to not fear and that he would now be catching people. And at that, he, along with Andrew, James, and John, dropped everything and began following Jesus. And so in that, I like to think that this calling of disciples is similar to my experience on The Price is Right. Go ahead and throw up the slide. Jesus calls us as apprentices to his kingdom mission as unqualified people from right where we're at, and we respond by humbly following and bringing others with us. So when Jesus calls his disciples, he's an awful lot more like Bob Barker, or now Drew Carey, uh, than like Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy. Uh, to get onto Jeopardy, you've got to be incredibly qualified. And not just qualified in one particular area. You've got to be qualified in all sorts of categories from 18th century British literature to the taxonomy of the animal kingdom. And, of course, potent potables are one of the uh, common categories. Uh, On The Price is Right, you just have to listen for your name uh, and then come on down to Contestants Row. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the church can sometimes make discipleship seem an awful lot more like Jeopardy than Price is Right. That it's all about having the right answers to all the biblical questions instead of a situation where we are forming our lives to look more and more like Jesus. So as Jesus calls these fishermen as his first disciples, he shows that his version of discipleship is not looking for the smartest people with the most knowledge and ministry experience to participate in his mission. And as I hear that, gosh, it sounds pretty familiar to me as we look through the entirety of Scripture, 
that God is constantly calling in unqualified people to be partners with him in his uh, mission and his ministry. God is always calling unqualified people to participate in his kingdom mission. In his book, Velvet Elvis, Rob Bell speaks about the calling of the disciples. And he notes that as fishermen, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John would have been failures within the rabbinical system of that time. Uh, In the early first century, uh, little boys would begin learning and memorizing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Um, And if by the time they were about 10 years old, they had that first five books of the uh, Bible memorized, then they would get to move on to the next stage where they would start memorizing the rest of the Old Testament. And then if by the time they're about 14, they've got all of that memorized, uh, they could then follow a rabbi and train with him. So if these men were out here in the family business of fishing, it means that somewhere along that line, they didn't make the cut. That they were unqualified to be religious leaders in that system, um, but Jesus did not see it that way. They were just right for Jesus' tangible kingdom mission. So in addition to calling unqualified people, Jesus meets us where we are as unqualified people. He uses what's familiar to us in his kingdom. One of the fun things about The Price is Right is that the pricing games are often with products that we're relatively familiar with. Uh, They're the things that we see at the grocery store every single time we walk through those aisles. Uh, It's not specialized products that the average contestant would know absolutely nothing about. Jesus knows that Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John are fishermen. And he uses what's familiar with, to them to engage with them. And his call tweaked what they were already doing to then become a part of his kingdom work. If they were carpenters, I would imagine that Jesus would say, from now on, you will build the kingdom of God. Or if they were farmers, he would say, from now on, you will reap what the Father sows. And so that makes me then wonder, what would Jesus say to us today? Maybe if it's a group of software engineers, uh, from now on, you will code for the king. Or to police officers, from now on, you will promote my justice. What would he say to you? What are the familiar parts of your life that Jesus can tweak to be used to make his his kingdom tangible in the world around us? So as unqualified people who Jesus meets wherever we are, our response then uh, to his call to discipleship is that we follow him and that we bring others with him. Though this is primarily an interaction between Jesus and Simon Peter, it ends up having a large impact on more than just Simon Peter. Simon Peter's brother and friends also end up leaving everything that they have to follow Jesus as well. Similarly, when my roommate was called to contestants row, our whole group was affected. He was the one that got to come on down and play with Bob Barker, but we all got to celebrate in his victory. I have even got to sleep in the bed that he won. (laughs) Um, The kingdom of God is a relational kingdom. And when God is at work in each of our lives, it spills out into the lives of the people around us. I've heard it said that our faith may be personal, but it's never private. Our faith should be making God's kingdom tangible to us and to all of those with whom we interact. 
So how are others being affected when Jesus calls us to be his apprentices? How are our families and our coworkers and the people that we engage with regularly experiencing Jesus' call with us? This idea of discipleship is both simple and difficult at the same time. It's simple in that Jesus invites us to just do what he did. Uh, We simply begin making efforts to look more and more like Jesus through the help of the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus did. But it's difficult because we actually have to start doing what Jesus did. And that can be hard when that's different than what we want to be doing. But in this apprenticeship, in discipleship, we get to learn from a master who proclaimed good news to the poor, who proclaimed freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, who set the oppressed free, and who proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. These are just some of the things that were prophesied about the Messiah in the book of Isaiah that then Jesus lived into. We, through the work of the Holy Spirit, get to participate in the continuing of this mission. And friends, this is something that we need one another for. We can't do discipleship or apprenticeship on our own. Both require a relationship. I need you, Renew Church, to show me the ways of Jesus. I hope that I can show you the character of Christ in the ways that I interact with each of you. As we participate in this tangible kingdom together... We show the way of Jesus and encourage each other to take steps of faith and to trust God more as God leads us into the, into the world in the unique places that he's called each and every one of us. And so today, as we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder that not only are we in it together just with the people in this room and the people that are part of this community, but with our worldwide church that as followers of Christ uh, worldwide and across time, Uh, We are apprentices together with a large body, a large cloud of witnesses. So no matter where we are in our faith, Jesus is continuing to call us into apprenticeship with the goal of us looking more and more like him. He is continually calling us as unqualified people, meeting us in our particular situations, and allowing us to respond and affect all those around us. So my prayer for us is that we would be uh, accepting that call to come on down. Let me pray for us. Lord, Master, Teacher, and thank you for the ways that you uh, call us to be your apprentices. Lord, to be your disciples. Uh, Lord, may each of us know that that call is specific to each and every one of us. Lord, that you uh, desire much from us that we uh, would look like you uh, throughout this world. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for um, the way that we are not in this alone. Lord, that you are with us. Lord, that our community and uh, your other followers, followers are with us. God, give us the strength to to accept your call. Lord, make us look like you. In your name we pray. Amen.